2: Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. What's going on? Welcome into the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek on this Tuesday. I'm Daniel Salarson. Jim Mikanhofter is my co-host again this week as we continue to recap some of the Pelicans players from the 2019-20 season. Hope everyone had a great weekend. We will continue with those player recaps today, focusing in on Jackson Hayes and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. We'll also talk about Brandon Ingram winning most improved player yesterday. Congratulations to Brandon Ingram on a well-deserved award. And joining us also to talk about the NBA playoffs and everything I just mentioned is Joel Myers, television voice of the New Orleans Pelicans. He is my favorite guest, and we're always happy to To have Joel on. Hello, Joel. Good to talk to you, my friend.
1: Yeah, and I've heard you say that to other people that you brought on one of our favorite guests, Daniel. So you just kind of lumped me in that big picture. Uh, I really appreciate that distinction, though. Uh, Doing well, watching basketball nonstop, and it's great to see a couple of game sevens, which is in the Western Conference. And I've said it before the top four or five in the East are very competitive with the top four or five of the West. But the overall depth in There's still a stark contrast there. It is a much deeper group in the Western Conference, and that's on display. Remember, the top four seeds in the East in the first round want to combine 16 and 1, but it's a different story in the Western Conference, and that's been the case for a number of years now. But fortunately, because the first round of the East was so bad, at least the first round of the West we're getting some good games out of it.
2: Yeah, no doubt about that. We'll get to the playoffs in just a little bit, but I figured we'll start with the good news that happened yesterday with Brandon Ingram winning most improved player for the 2019-20 season, just beating out Bam Adebayo of the Miami Heat and Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks. So, Joel, when you heard the news, were you surprised about it? Um, Just the fact that, you know, we all thought that Brandon Ingram deserved most improved player, but we weren't sure how the votes were going to go. What were your thoughts on Brandon winning the award yesterday?
1: I was happy for him. Because he's put in the time. He's, As you know, Daniel and Jim, uh, we go into the gym. And he's before practice. He stays after practice. He is totally committed to his craft. And, and he's really mature for his age. He doesn't even turn till 23 until, well, actually, he's turning 23 right around the corner this month in September. So I'm just happy for him. He's a really good young man. And it says a lot about the culture and the environment that's being created right now on airline that's big for the program that is big for the franchise that it that sends out a statement that you can succeed here uh you're going to get the support and if you put in the time it will work so it's great to see something like that developer brandon ingram and he can be another guy that can recruit that can bring other players into the fold so only better days ahead and i'm really happy for him because as you guys both know how good a person is brandon ingram he, i mean he's just incredible. and he makes me sound like a soprano <laughs> <laughs> when we talk with Brandon he's slow and he's a lot lower than me so I, I'm really happy for him
2: yeah we talked about we all know the type of player Brandon Ingram is and was in Los Angeles but really didn't get going with the Lakers in his first few years so what change do you think this year I know everyone talks about the different environment how hard he works but Joel what, what was his biggest improvement from his days with the Lakers and then his first year with New Orleans
1: well I think it also uh, the one thing that stands out more than anything else is that you are the guy. You're not one of, we want you to succeed. We want you to be a part of this and the face of the franchise moving forward with a couple of other guys, you're going to be put on a pedestal here. And once they actually got together with Brandon and I give Griff and Trajan in the front office and the coaching staff that put in the time with them in the gym, all the credit in the world, it was up to Brandon. Nobody was going to force him to do anything. So give Brandon all the credit. But at the same time, uh, just to see what he did, and then for down-the-road purposes, he's it, it means a lot to a player when your partner is fully invested in you and and they're committed, and they want you to be a part of things for the big picture, for down-the-road. And uh, it may sound corny, but I've said it before, I want to see guys to come in here one team, one uniform for a long time, and not move. And in fact, stay here for the duration of their career. And I think there's that kind of potential with a guy like Brandon Ingram. And I think he felt that way from the very beginning, Daniel.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you talk about potential, let's go right into our player recaps for today. And we'll, uh, we're focusing on Jackson Hayes and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. And I feel like, Joel, that's where David Griffin saw in these two guys his potential. Jackson Hayes, the eight pick out of Texas. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, the seventeen pick out of Virginia Tech. We saw what they can do very early in summer league, but of course, you know, as rookies do, there are some growing pains that go with the first season, especially with the talents of Jackson Hayes and Nikhil. So as just from a grand scheme of things, what did you see from those two guys this season in the rookie years?
1: Well, let's start with Jackson. He looked different after the shutdown. When he came back, it looked like the game slowed down for him a little. What he's going to have to do in this pick and roll environment, and that's the the NBA of today, he's going to have to really watch a lot of film. He's going to have to recognize certain things. So he's going to have to be a student of the game because his athleticism is off the charts. There's no question. And his shot doesn't need to be fixed, which is really nice when you see him go to the free throw line. He can hit it a decent percentage. He can make, he's already at a 15-foot range. He can face up like old power forwards used to. We always had the power forwards. And and you can look at, we can go down the list of guys that have done it from 15 to 18 feet and you had to guard them. Well, he can be that kind of player. Then he can develop a little jump hook inside. But more than anything else, at the defensive end of the floor, he's a rim protector. He's a great athlete. He's a phenomenal athlete. There's no question about that. But he's got to be a student of the game. He's got to learn and be wise to certain things tricks trends and, and quick recognition in the pick and roll game because that's what everybody's throwing at him right now
0: Joel um when, when you from a from a big picture standpoint I mean I know when we went into the season I think a lot of people were uncertain how much Jackson would actually get to play and unfortunately we've talked about this a lot the last few years where there's been a silver lining from injuries that have happened but um, where other guys have gotten more opportunities. But, I mean, how much, of a, how much of a plus do you think that was that he was able to probably get on the court maybe even more than, than he expected to this year based on just the circumstances in the front court?
1: Well, I think it surprised all of us. There's no question about that, Jim. Uh, it was healthy for him, and it got him reps way before anybody thought he was going to be on the floor. So then when Derek came back, it gave him an opportunity to go off to the side and actually then watch and then pick up on certain things. Uh, Just pay attention. As long as you pay attention, you're going to learn. And Because he got reps early, now see what a real pro like Derek is doing on the pick and roll. So I think it was a really solid first season for a guy that we didn't think was going to be on the floor that early in the season. But because of the back, Problems with Derek Favors, he got out there. So that's only going to pay dividends down the road. Now it's up to him. What does he do during the offseason? And obviously it's it's strange for everybody, but what does he do to add to his game to recognize what he needs to work on? So those were pluses, only positives for the Bells. Now he's got to build on it, as we've seen other guys do like Brandon Ingram and also even Lonzo Ball with the jumper and the shot, the way it improved for Lonzo Ball due to his determination and dedication.
0: You mentioned um, some of the traits that Jackson Hayes has as far as his athleticism. I think one of the real unique things about him is just kind of the story of that he he was late to basketball in terms of he played it, but it wasn't his number one sport, I think, until he was maybe midway through high school or later in high school. Um, when, you, when you factor that whole package in, how excited are you as far as the next couple of years in terms of how much he can improve just based on it seems like he has so much natural ability. And I think it's it's exciting to think about when he adds all of the learning that you, you mentioned of what kind of player he could be.
1: Well, you bring up something. You can't teach what he already possesses. And you're on target with that, Jim, because he already has so many gifts going in. So that's why I say it's up to him now. And he comes from an athletic background, his dad and his mom. So I don't think there's going to be an issue there. I think he's going to be dedicated. He's going to mature properly. And it's, it's a great pick. When you get somebody like that, eighth overall, and before we even get to 17th overall, uh, Jackson has the potential to be. It's like Zubots. Zubots was taken by the Lakers. They gave him away. And as soon as Doc Rivers got him, he goes, there's my center for the next 10 years. He invested in him. And I believe the Pelicans are going to invest in Jackson Hayes that way. So now it's it's his call. And all he has to do is live in the gym. Be a gym rat. Work with your teammates. Work with other bigs. And and then find out from other bigs how they grew, how they matured properly, and what they have to do. Be a great listener as well when, when you're around older players. So you can't teach the length, the speed, the athleticism he possesses. He's naturally gifted. So now he's just got to put in the time.
0: As far as Nikhil, um, I think one of the things that the, the question, question that I have about him again, from a, from a broad standpoint is I, I Daniel and I saw him, you saw him in summer league last summer. You know, you see the talent, you see all the skills that he has. I think from a short term standpoint, and it may be longer term as well down the road, I think one of the things I wonder about him is like, what is his, what, what, what is he, his role and what does he do best? Is he going to be like an instant offense guy that can come off the bench and score the way he did in some of the games, like the game they had in Miami, um, that kind of thing? But w- what do you think? And it, may, it might be too early to even answer this question or try to figure this out, but um, what do you think as far as what is his future of what, what, he, what his biggest strengths are going to be?
1: First of all, I hope he keeps growing. He came (laughs) after the the shutdown, and he was a legit 6'6", and he's super young. So there is that potential. He's a big guard, and there is such a bonus to having big guards now. His shot doesn't – his shot looks good. His stroke looks great. So then you say, well, what does he need to work on? Well, his handle. And decision-making, because he's a big guard in the pick and roll. And then he's a big guard in the pick and roll to defend – at the, at the other end of the floor, he can get better defensively, so his length is a real asset, and his wingspan. A lot of people don't talk about wingspan, but he's got that going for him too. So work on the on the handle, shorten his dribble in certain situations, but that'll come with time. Uh, he's 17th overall. He has a chance to be a top 10 talent. He's already pretty close right now, and he really wants it. There is no, you guys have been around him you know how much he cares. He's a really solid kid, really solid young man. His family did a great job. So he's committed. He's dedicated. Now he's got to live in the gym, like I said about Jackson Hayes, but he's got a lot of things working in his favor because he plays the game already at a very high level. His basketball IQ needs to pick up at the offensive end of the floor. Defensively, he's going to be fine. But at the offensive end of the floor, he's got to read situations better, cut down on the turnovers. That's it on the risky low percentage plays that will come with time that will come with reps. And there were stretches, as you guys know, stretches where he did not get on the floor at all, where there were a lot of DNP CDs didn't play coach's decision. That's going to change too. But what a quality young man. You want people like, see, you want to bring in guys like that. That's the type of person you want in your culture, your environment. So uh, they, Griff, Trajan and everybody in basketball ops had a really good draft. So, Nikhil Alexander Walker should be a fixture for a long time to come. I hope he's a foul for a long time to come because, as I said, he's a really quality young man.
0: Yeah, he, he, I noticed from right from the beginning, from day one, of how impressive of a guy he is to sit down and talk to. And I, I can't remember if he was 20 or 21 at the time on Media Day last year, but, but you sit there and you say, this guy doesn't sound like, somebody who's in his early 20s, which I think is something that you re- reference as far as his maturity and just his, he just kind of gets it as far as, you know, his approach to the game and his perspective. Um, maybe if he keeps growing, he could play some – I asked about his role. Maybe he could play some power forward or some center well, down.
1: at least some small forwards. <laughs> because but, he is long enough. And in small ball situations, at 6'6", six, six, and if he's right there at his wingspan, puts him at almost a three position. He's sure. long than the guards the fellas have if you want to go with zion at the five and play some small ball then he comes into the equation potentially at the three with brandon of course brandon doesn't leave the floor as far as i'm concerned brandon's your usual three but you can play brandon at the four in a small ball situation i just like everything that nikhil has got going for him and i do believe he's going to put in the time i don't think that's going to be his look at how his cousin's been playing and they're really yeah. close Mm -hmm. And look how Shea Gilgis Alexander has been playing in just his second season. So I think there's a lot to be excited about when we talk about both Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Jackson Hayes.
0: Last thing for me I wanted to ask you about Nikhil as well is I feel like I want to pipe in your your TV partner right now and get his thoughts on this as well as far as the adjustment to the NBA from young guards, for young guards. It seems like you see so many guys – Guards in their rookie year, especially if you're playing point guard where there's, I don't know, 20, 25 great point guards in the league and every single night you're playing against somebody tough. But how much do you look forward to year two for for Nikhil as far as just being able to take everything that he learned this year and the adjustment? It just seems like I've seen, even in the time I've been in the NBA, I've seen so many guys who at that position who come back in their second year and you're just like, this is a totally different guy.
1: Well, it's a good point because there aren't that many prototypical centers for Jackson Hayes. There's a lot of athletic centers now. The guys that run like Bam Adebayo with Miami, we've got on a list of guys because you want that now. And Jackson possesses that, fortunately. But the most demanding position in the NBA is guard, as you mentioned. And the elite talent at that position every night you go into the gym. So – Nikhil has a lot going for him because he's big. They're not a lot. He's a long guard. And a lot of the the really elite guards aren't that big. They're 6'2", 6'3", whether it's Lillard, McCollum, or we can go down a list of guys. Uh, Chris Paul, all these years. And look what he's doing at this level to force a game seven coming off a 15-point fourth quarter. So he's going to be tested. Back to Nikhil, he's going to be tested. It's going to be severe, but I think he's really up for it. I think he's that type of personality and that type of young man. So his position is totally different from Jackson because every night in the league now, whether you're in the Eastern Conference or the Western Conference, go go to the Eastern Conference, Brooklyn. Thank you, Kyrie Irving. Try to keep up with that handle. So it's tougher for guards. And it's going to take a little bit longer for guards. It's not as simple, but I think he's up for it. I really do.
2: Well, speaking of playoffs and Eastern Conference, I'm going to ask you about the Eastern Conference. I'll let Jim wrap up with the Western Conference. But the Eastern Conference already into the second round of action, uh, the 1-2 seed dropped their first game. Uh, Joel are- – is there a chance that we could see both of the, these teams or one of them fall in, in this round? You look at Milwaukee. I know they lost their first game against Orlando and bounced back, but well, this is a different team with Miami. And then I feel like this Boston-Toronto series could go very deep. What are your initial thoughts on how those two series have started so far?
1: Well, first of all, let's go over Milwaukee. In Milwaukee, and I just did a bunch of games in the bubble with Greg Anthony, who was my partner. And, and Greg even mentioned it on the air. He goes, Milwaukee doesn't scare a lot of people. They're a very, very good team, but they don't scare teams. You know, there are certain teams like the Clippers that are really deep and two top 10 players like Paul George and 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 Kawhi Leonard or the Lakers with two top five players in LeBron and AD. Milwaukee's got one top five player, one top five, 10, 15 player, even though I like Chris Middleton. So Milwaukee doesn't overwhelm you. They're a fairly deep team, uh, but – they're not gonna dominate people. So Milwaukee is susceptible. The, the other series, Boston and Toronto, I think are that's going to go deep. Both are very good. Boston's first six or seven players, outstanding. Toronto's deeper though, and that's why I think they'll be back in the series even despite the way they got smoked in the first game of that series. Uh, both those series could go long, and we didn't see that in the first round of the Eastern Conference. So good to see the lower seeds get theirs early. Um, But, no, it's real interesting the way it works in the Eastern Conference. I think there's almost apples and oranges in the East and the West, the way it works, and the depth overall in the Western Conference to prepare these teams. Uh, But I'm not surprised at all. In fact, I think both could come out, the lower seeds, but I do believe that Toronto will bounce back. I think that's, that has the potential to be a very, very long series.
0: Yeah. You know, Joel, before we talk about the West, I I think not only you make a really good point as far as what Greg Anthony mentioned in terms of people aren't intimidated by Milwaukee, but I also think that they're an example too of, we really didn't know how teams were going to look in the bubble after four or five months off. And from, from my perspective, it just, it doesn't seem like they look like the same team either. They had some games against Orlando. They, obviously, they lost game one of that series, and they struggled a little bit in some of the other games and just didn't look like themselves. So I'm interested to see you know, if they can get back to playing the, the way that they were during most of the regular season. And obviously, it's harder to do that because now you're playing against better teams every single game. You're not playing against – you don't have breaks, quote-unquote. Quote. But um, as far as the Western Conference goes, you mentioned earlier the excitement that everyone has about their, that there's going to be two game sevens coming up. And I'm not going to put you on the spot by predicting who you think is going to win those Game 7s, but I, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot by asking, first of all, in the, in the situation of Denver versus Utah Game 7, winner of that plays the Clippers, which of those two teams do you think has a better chance to make it a deep series against the Clippers or potentially beat them?
1: Well, Denver, there is no question about that. Denver, because of the, the loss of Bogdanovich for Utah, So if you want a longer series in the second round, it'll be Denver. I was surprised. That was my biggest surprise so far in the playoffs, Jim, that Utah took three of the first four from Denver. Now, Denver has experience because they went to a game seven last year and they lost a really close game seven last year. Uh, But what Jamal, Jamal Murray's a sore subject for me. So I'm sorry you even brought that up. (laughs) Taking seventh overall. Thank you. Glad you brought it up to ruin the day for, for me. (laughs) Like Jamal Murray when he was coming out of college, to say the least, at 19 years of age. And to think what he has done now over the last three games to see him averaging, what, is it 43, 44 points over the last three games? Sure. Pretty incredible. Uh, So, and he's feeling really good about where he's at in life right now. You can tell after his emotional response to Jared in the post-game interview after their big game six win. Uh, So, uh, Denver – To your point, and then with Milwaukee, to go back to the East real briefly, what happens when you take away a team's best player? Well, coming back after the shutdown, you saw the games, the eight seeded games. Giannis was in foul trouble just about every game. And then if you build a wall, which teams are going to do, and Orlando did it successfully. I had the game, first game where Orlando beat Milwaukee down in the bubble. If you build a wall, make somebody else other than Giannis beat you because he's putting up astronomical numbers in that five game win over Orlando. So let's see if the other guys can win. If they can, you hold Giannis to the bare minimum, he's going to get his, he's going to, and he even put him at the free throw line where he's not had a good year, a career low at the free throw line for him. But that's why I mentioned that they didn't scare anybody that they're still deep. They still have the best record in the NBA, but as my old n b a buddies make get the ball out of his hands, make somebody else beat you, but that was the the biggest surprise back to the West was Utah taking three out of four, and that's first of all, trust they've got a great player in Donovan Mitchell and trust in the staff, and they got a really good coach in Quinn Snyder
0: you know Joel, I gotta check my notes, but I gotta double check this, but I think this is the four hundred and ninety third time that you've mentioned Jamal Murray over the last few years, so you're almost at the 500. I did not realize that you were a, 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 a believer in Jamal Murray until now, but then I just looked back and I found the 493 previous. Thank season. you. So there you thanks go. For
1: making, thanks for making my day, Jim. I really <laughs>
0: appreciate it. That's
1: thanks. what he's here for. Anyways, <laughs>
0: we'll, move on, we'll move on to a less sore subject with you. And now uh, as far as Houston OKC game seven, I'll ask you kind of the same question. Not Not who you think is going to win. But who do you think has a better chance to to make it a deep series against the Lakers?
1: Well, most likely Houston to make it a deep series, although OKC has the roles clearly defined with Steven Adams and then Danilo out on the wing, and, and a great leader, a great game manager in Chris Paul. I don't think Houston's small ball will hold up as well. Maybe I'm I'm dead wrong on that against the Lakers. Because the Lakers have guys that can really handle it. in Like JaVale McGee, they can go to him. They don't feature Steven Adams in OKC. He's not that type of guy. But they can work a pick and roll with JaVale McGee, a good athlete, and utilize him a little bit more at the offensive end of the floor. And they'd have to get Tyson Chandler out of mothballs. So and he's very rarely off the bench. Even though he's on the bench, a lot of people forget that for the Houston Rockets. It's styles, and I'm not in love with the style of the Houston Rockets. I'm not in love with 55, 63s a game. So, and I'd love to see more. See, I, I love beautiful basketball like Golden State and ball movement, player movement, and, and you don't have to – and the Pell's trying to do that as well, sharing the basketball, moving the ball and man move at the same time. And what I, I do miss – is just complete teams where everybody is involved, and they're not all on the floor is spaced properly now. But that doesn't mean you have to take fifty-five or sixty-three as a game. I think that's the easy way out. So uh, I'm not huge on the style of the Houston Rockets. They do it really well, and they've got a great coach. There's no question about that for small ball, Mike D'Antoni. Uh, but in the long term. Uh, Houston would probably give them more of a run, but I wouldn't mind OKC.
2: Yeah, it's going to be very interesting how those two Western Conference Game 7s play out as we will then have conference semifinals, and we'll see how those go as well as they continue tonight and for the rest of the week. Joel, I I appreciate the time here. It's nice to have you on back-to-back week to talk playoffs and, of course, talk about the Pels. Um, Have a great rest of the week, and always a pleasure talking to you, my friend.
1: Well, I hope that you do have one of your favorite guests on once again next week, Daniel, so we can revisit uh, the playoffs. But thank you for having me.
0: He only means it when he says it about you. The other ones, it's just kind of, you know, (laughs) just something you say. But when he says it about you, he really does mean it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well,
2: if we talk about our favorite guests, I'll make sure that Antonio Daniels is on next week as well. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Thanks, Joel. I appreciate it. We will continue with our player recaps tomorrow. We'll go to Nicola Melli and Frank Jackson. Of course, the biggest Nicola Melli supporter is Christian Clark from the times picayune and the Advocates. We'll have him on on Wednesday. And speaking of Antonio Daniels, we'll wrap up the week with him on Thursday as we'll focus in on Lonzo Ball. Hope everyone has a great Tuesday. And until tomorrow, for Jim and Joel, I'm Daniel. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by CP.